We've been in a series, Dreams, Divine Dreams. A divine dream is a dream given to us by God. How can you tell the difference between your dream and God's dream? God's dream will advance the kingdom. God will pay for his dreams. God will put you in position to receive the favor that he has for you if you're following after him and you're chasing his dream. The first week we talked to you about St. Paul, how he said, I was faithful to the heavenly vision to King Agrippa. Last week we talked to you about Joseph the dreamer that became in 13 years prime minister of Egypt, went from the pit to the palace and forgave his brothers, saved a nation because he wouldn't give up and because he had a dream. This morning, I want to talk to you about something that plagues all of us from time to time, whether it's a young child on the schoolyard or a teenager being formed into the person God placed them here to be or an adult in the corporate world. I want to talk to you about dream killers. This will probably be the most negative message of the series, but I would be doing you a great injustice if I didn't preach this message to you this morning because it matters who you connect with and it matters what you covenant with. And you will never be able to embrace the dream God has for you if you have dream killers around you and in your circle. Dream killers, these are the people that stand on the shoreline and refuse to chance the tides. This is the sin of complacency, the sin of doing nothing. In the kingdom of God, we ought to be doing something. It's not enough to stand back and allow others to get their hands and knuckles bloody in this war while we sit back comfortably to protect our own lives, our own dreams. We can't sit idly by in the midst of a race or a war. We have got to embrace the dream and chase the dream. Please turn with me if you have your Bibles to Judges chapter 5. Judges chapter 5, I believe we'll have it on the screen for those of you who don't. But I want you to fall in love with the Word of God because I can only give you so much meat on a Sunday morning. And I'm going to give you more in the introduction than I normally do this morning because you need to know the pretext and the context to understand what exactly is going on here in Judges chapter 5. I challenge you this week to read the first six chapters of Judges. Why, Pastor Ronnie? Because you should never take my word for it. Always read it for yourself. Amen? We're going to begin with one verse, Judges 5, verse 23. Curse morose, said the angel of the Lord, 
curse its inhabitants bitterly because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the enemy. Not everyone will support your divine dream. Not everyone will serve the local church. Not everyone will share their faith. Not everyone will pay the price for legacy. There's nothing worse than getting in a fight and looking around and watching people you thought were your friends sit by and watch you get whipped. The church ought to be a place of unity and agreement and teamwork where we work together and we serve together and we strive together. But oftentimes it becomes a place of competition and jealousy and pettiness. And we miss the kingdom because we refuse to get in the fight with one another. My friend Pastor Eric Clark and I was preaching in his church years ago and I just got in the flow and I didn't even remember what I said until he had it put on one of his tank tops. Eric's better looking than me and wears tank tops. But I was preaching and I said, you know what, Pastor Eric, some will, some won't, some do, some don't, and so what? And that's the truth, my friend. In your life, in the life of this church, there are folks willing to pay the price to bite, as I said last week, in the sequence of a dream, you first thought it, then you caught it, then you bought it, then you got it, then you gave it. In this life, you won't find many people who'll buy it. Some will, some won't, some do, some don't, and so what? You have to be like Nehemiah when he was building the wall, and you can't be tempted to stop what God's called you to do to Mess with Sanballat and Tobias. If God's called you to something, he'll see you through till the end. Moses was the great leader used by God to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He dreamed of a promised land, but it wasn't Moses that would lead the children of Israel there. It was his successor, Joshua. Joshua brought them into the land of promise. But there was a problem when Joshua died, he never named his successor. He never identified who would replace him and who was God's man or woman to carry the children into the future. And so, for 300 plus years, nearly 340 years, God would raise up judges, deliverers for the nation of Israel. We have a book in the Old Testament. The book is called Judges. And it defines and describes this period of time where there was no leader, there was no king, there was no president. God would raise up deliverers during that period of time who would often come out of obscurity, do something powerful for God, and then they would go back into obscurity. Israel had no king. They had no president. They had no leadership. God brought deliverance through them. The word judge in the Hebrew language means heroic leader. There's a wonderful book called The Hero Within that talks about the tribes of Israel and their heroic exploits. The Hebrew word 
Shafatim is derived from a word meaning to put right and so to rule. And this is exactly what these men and women did during the period of Judges. They would set things right. But just like what we see in our culture today, there was a pattern. First, the pattern was sin and lethargy. And then it would lead to victory. And after the victory, there was compromise. And compromise led to sin. And then again, the people of Israel went back into bondage. And God would have to raise up another deliverer to get him out of the mess they were in. It was a cycle. Everything in the Old Covenant is a picture of what we deal with spiritually today. We get the victory. We compromise. We go back into bondage. And we go through this same cycle. And then we have this moment of deliverance. And then we go through this same cycle. We first learn of this pattern in Judges 2. This is what it says. Thus the children of Israel, Judges chapter 3, verse 5 and 7. But we first learn of it in chapter 2. But we're going to read Judges chapter 3, verse 5 through 7. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the cursed descendants, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Philistines, and the Jebusites. In addition, they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons, and they served their gods. They made covenant with sin and the wrong kinds of people, people that were against God. Are you with me? You can't covenant with a dream killer. You can't covenant with people that are against God. It will come back to your family. It will affect your legacy. You can love sinners, and I do. I'll put my love for sinners up against almost anybody in this room. But you cannot covenant with someone who is anti-everything Jesus died for. Therefore, it says, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God. How many of us? After God's healed us or brought us through a storm, after we've crossed the Jordan and he's provided for us, how many of us forget what God has done for us? They forgot the Lord their God and served Baal and Asherahs, pagans who worshipped false God. They went from believers to pagans. And all of these ites, these Canaanites, these Hittites, these Amorites, these cursed descendants, they took residence on God's land. They took it over because of compromise. We can see that in our own lives and even in our great nation. You don't get to where we are because of one term or two terms, or three terms, or four terms of political leadership. You got to sin against God year after year after year. And we wonder why we are in this hate-filled mess we're in. You can't take God out of schools. You can't take prayer out of schools. You can't mock the Bible and the Ten Commandments. And you can't condone the killing of babies in a womb. You can't do that year after year and expect any president to fix that. 
So because of this, God raised up judges to set the nation right. Possibly 17, at least 14 judges in the book of Judges over a 340-year period. But I want to discuss a few of them because we're getting to Deborah, the great woman prophetess of God. The first one was Othniel. They were in bondage eight years and God raised Othniel up. They cried out again for God to redeem them and forgive them. Othniel was the son-in-law of the great hero Caleb, and his wife was a woman of faith. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, the Bible says, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord delivered him and delivered the king of Mesopotamia into Othniel's hand, and his hand prevailed over the current government gone bad. So the land had rest, the Bible says, 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Next was Ehud. You had 80 years of peace and then 18 years of bondage with Ehud. Damon Thompson's got a great message on Ehud and how he killed Eglon, the fat man. It's a great message. He was a left-handed Benjamite. Ehud was. He assassinated Eglon, the king of Moab. He murdered him in his cool chamber and stabbed him with his left hand. He led Israel into battle and defeated the Moabites, which again led to 80 years of peace. Then Shamgar was the next judge. Killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad, an eight-foot-long rod with a heavy and wide ending. See, you don't have to watch the movie Gladiator. If you read the word, it's got some pretty cool stuff. 600 Philistines. Then, where I want to land today, God raised up Deborah. Don't tell me God doesn't use women. He used them in the old covenant. He's using them in the new covenant. His best friends were women. Evangelists were women. They took care of his body and took care of all that God had put on him. Deborah was the driving force behind the defeat of Sisera. She was a wonderful and powerful woman. We hear of a man named Barak in Hebrews 11 as a great champion of faith, but there would be no Barak without Deborah, this mighty woman of God. Because of her prompting, because of her prompting, Barak led 10,000 men against Sisera the commander of the Canaanite army. The Canaanites had had a stronghold for years and years. He lost his life, Sisera, because he tried to take refuge with a woman he thought was his friend. She stabbed him in the head, killed him. And that woman received the favor of God and the honor from the nation because she did what many of the tribes and cities, dream killers, were too cowardice to do. This woman did what armies of men were unwilling to do. So you have Deborah, the mighty prophetess. Then you have Jael, a woman who actually killed the king. While a bunch of men 
dream killers were too scared to step up. Deborah's name means honeybee. She led the people of God to a great victory. She was such a strong prophetess that when she asked Barak to lead the men to defeat the Canaanite army, he said, look, Deborah, I'm not going unless you're going with me. Aren't you thankful for women that love God and know how to pray? Because I'm kind of like that too. When I'm about to go into war, even before I go preach, or if I've got a minister, I'm dealing with a crisis in my own family, get me some women know how to get a hold of God. I don't care if you think they're crazy or not. When I'm in a mess, I want some people to know how to pray. So after this great victory, we get to Judges chapter 5. It is a song of poetry and worship. Hebrew poetry is very different than the English language. In the English language, we like to rhyme. Like roses are red, violets are blue. What's up, Seth? I love you. You know, whatever. We like things that rhyme. There the thoughts intermingle. And it's more of rhyming thoughts than it is rhyming words. And they try to take two different thoughts and weave them together. So in this song of victory, this was the song that was sang for years to come because of this victory. And I'm going to walk you through it quickly. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Hear this, you kings, listen, you rulers. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. When you, Lord, went out from Sire, when you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water, the mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, remember the woman who killed the wicked king, I just told you about her, the highways were abandoned. Anybody sound familiar? Travelers took to winding paths. Villagers in Israel would not fight. If you haven't been listening, wake up right now. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel. God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates, but not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people of the Lord. This is a song of victory, but it's also a sad song. Because she goes from praising those willing volunteers, the tribes that helped in the fight, to remembering the dream killers that refused to embrace the dream. She moves in this song from victory into remembering the people who wouldn't fight for the victory, the people who stood on the shorelines and would not chance the rapids, the people who were comfortable with the sidelines comfortable with their own safety, comfortable in compromise, comfortable with the culture that surrounds us. I quoted verse 23 to start this message. Curse morose and its inhabitants because they refused to fight when the enemy came. The word morose means refuge or asylum. The very name of this place 
speaks of help and assistance. A place of refuge is a place of help. They were named a place of refuge, but they refused to help. They said no to their opportunity. This world is plagued and filled with people who said no to the gift God gave them, who said no to the talents God gave them, who said no to the hard work God called them to. This world is filled with people who talk about what might have been. But in the kingdom of God, he's always moving forward and he's calling you higher. He's calling you to not quit. He's calling you to advance. He's calling you to fight. Dream killers. Some refuse to be a part of the dream because of their own complacency. Number one, the complacency of a dream killer. Let's talk about it. Number one, the complacency of a dream killer. The first person mentioned as we move on through Judges chapter 5 is Reuben. Reuben. Reuben was too spiritual to help. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah as Issachar, so was Barak, sent him into the valley under his command. Among the divisions of Reuben, there were great resolves of heart. Let's quote those right there. There were great resolves of heart. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the pipings for the flocks? The divisions of Reuben have great searchings of heart. In other words, in this song, Deborah says, Reuben, why did you sit comfortably and refuse to fight? Reuben is involved with great searchings of the heart. There are people that are going to be too spiritual to fight with you. And they'll have a biblical and a religious reason for why they won't fight and stand up for what's right. Listen, if you take the Bible out of context, you can about get it to excuse anything you want it to excuse, and you can make it to where you can excuse complacency. But if you understand the Word of God in its context, you can't do that. But people will bend it and twist it. Reuben was too spiritual. He had a complexity of the heart. He, he didn't want to get involved in the war because, you know, he was just too spiritual. Him and God had too much going on. How many people we know like that? This is some of the meanest doggone people I've ever met in my life speak in tongues. Some of the meanest people I have ever met in my life can impress you with their prayer language. You can get too spiritual to fight for the things of God. Then it goes to Gilead. If Reuben was too spiritual to help, Gilead was too snobby to help. It's what it says, verse 17. Don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And why did Dan remain on ships? Asher continued at the seashore and stayed by his inlets. So, Reuben's too spiritual to help. Gilead's too snobby to help. They had too much going on they wanted to protect to come down off the high horse and help. How many people, because of the blessing of God they walk in that somebody before them paid for, are unwilling to get in the fight right now and stand up for truth and stand up for righteousness? Reuben was too spiritual to help. and Gilead was too snobby to help. And Dan was too scared to help. 
See, the Bible says we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What if I take a stand? What if I share my faith? What if I stand with my pastor? What if I do what's right? What will happen to me? What could happen to my family? What could happen to my bank account? What could happen to my 401k if I stand up for the things of God? One was too snobby to help. One was too spiritual to help. One's too scared to help. Why did Dan remain on the ships? Verse 17. Why? Asher at the seashore stayed by his inlets. Asher's too selfish to help. You got one too spiritual to help. One too snobby to help. One too scared to help. Now you got one too selfish to help. Got to protect what's mine. Got to protect my family. The complacency of a dream killer. These weren't bad people. These weren't bad tribes. God used them later. But in this instance, they fell short of God's glory. What are you saying, Pastor Ronnie? Don't be a dream killer. Don't sit on the shorelines like a critic and choose to be complacent instead of chasing after the things of God. And let me say this. You ain't going to change the world on social media. You ain't even going to change anybody's mind. Some of the, well, I ain't going to go there. Social media will make you feel more intelligent about yourself than you really are. Let me say that. But listen, that's not the fight I'm talking about. You don't want to be a comment bandit. I'm talking about getting out beyond the walls of the church and loving somebody, serving somebody, sharing that faith, reading that Bible, serving this community, building a legacy that will live on after you're gone. Not complacency. The complacency of a dream killer, number two, the curse of a dream killer. Yeah, we talk about complacency, but what this says is that complacency leads to a curse. And yes, God is a God of love, and yes, he's a God of grace, but he's also a God that when he gets enough, can and has and will put a curse on you. Not every person will be cursed by God for not embracing his best or fighting with God's people, but some will be. Verse 23, curse morose, said the angel of the Lord, because it refused to fight. Here's the kind of people that will be cursed for refusing to fight. When you have the ability to help and you refuse, you have the finances, you have the know-how, you have the ability, you have the influence to help and you refuse, it can bring a curse on your life. Morose had the ability, they had the location, they could have housed refugees, but what did they do? Instead of housing God's people, they act, by accident housed their enemies. When you have the ability to help and you refuse, it brings a curse. When you have the access to help. And you refuse. You have the access. They were in a strategic location, this city of Morose. They could have done what God had called them to do and saved thousands of lives. 
But instead, they allowed Jael, this woman, to kill the king of the Canaanite army. And she received the blessing, and so did her family. They chose the shorelines instead of the kingdom. They left it up to this courageous woman. Verse 24 says, Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in tents. Because she did what this city was unwilling to do. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. It also says in verse 18, Zebulon is a people who jeopardize their lives to the point of death for the cause. So yeah, there were some people who were complacent, but there were some soulmates and some teammates and some dreammates that said, we're in this thing to fight for the things of God. Zebulon is a people who jeopardize their lives to the point of death. Naphtali also on the heights of the battlefield. And if you know anything about Naphtali's story, Jesus came from that line. They stood and they fought. Number three, the consequences of a dream killer. Complacency brings a curse. That curse brings consequences. The first consequence is that your sin will find you out. Now this verse in Numbers spoken by Moses has been taken out of context in many churches behind many pulpits over the years. This does not mean every person in here's private struggle is going to be made public. That's not what this means. Would you like to know what it means? Here's what it means. If you go back a few chapters from Judges to the book of Numbers, Moses is pursuing the promised land. He sends the spies. And this is what is said. You have the tribe of Reuben, who I mentioned, and Gad. They requested to stay in Jordan, to not go and seize the land, the promised land. And here's what Moses said. Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? I believe God is saying to the Christians of this world today, shall your brothers go to war while you sit here? Shall a nation go to hell while we sit here? Shall hungry mouths not get fed while we sit here? Or kids not get raised while we sit here? People not getting the aid they need to survive, the medicine they need while we sit here? Will babies continue to be murdered while we sit here? Or are we going with the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the love of God start trying to change our culture one life at a time? We cannot just sit here, Abbas House. That's why I believe sometimes people leave kingdom churches because the cost is too high, the pressure's too much. They would rather sit in a place where you're not expected to do anything, where they can get their feelings tickled and their religion massaged. But God put his spirit on this place long before I was born. 
And there is a calling here. There is an expectation here of God's people that I pray never vanishes. Because I don't want to get up in the morning to just sit there. I like getting up with a purpose. I like getting up knowing that I can make a difference and that you can make a difference. And that when we come together and we work as a team, the dream will become a reality when we support one another. The consequences of a dream killer, your sin will find you out. It goes on to say, now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has already given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. Verse 23 of Numbers 32. But if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. This is not every private thing you deal with is going to be made public and your sin's going to find you out. I've known a lot of creeps over the years that never got caught for anything. What this is, is if you have the ability to do something for God and you have the access to do something for God and you choose the shoreline and you choose to watch other, other people carry your dream out while you sit there, be sure your sin will find you out. I'm not preaching at you. I don't know what God's called you to do, but I do know he's called you to do something. And it's a sin to do nothing. The curse of morose is the curse of doing nothing, the curse of complacency. And it does bring consequences. Number one, your sin will find you out. Number two, your talent will be taken away. Yeah, if God has placed a dream on you or he's given you the ability to do something with people or with business or in the kingdom, or in ministry, or in song, or whatever it may be. If you choose to hide your talent, like in the parable of the talents, Jesus told the parable, gave one five, doubled it. Gave the other two, doubled it. Gave one individual one. He buried it. He said, I heard you're a God that likes to really take things away, so I just hid mine. Jesus said in that parable, he said, I took that one. Gave it to the one with ten who doubled his. If you choose not to use the gift God has given you, it will be taken away and given to someone else who is willing to chase the dream and chance the rapids. Now, I don't believe God is waiting for you to slip up once to take your dream or your talent. But I think over a long period of time when you continue to tell God no and you continue to let fear win and you continue to feel insecure because of the things that were done to you or said to you in your past and, and, and you curse yourself saying things like, I'm stupid, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. When God hears that long enough, his kingdom will be advanced and his dreams will be fulfilled. So if you refuse it, someone else is going to pick it up. Someone else is going to be living your dream. And the dreams of God are generational dreams. Abraham stepped out in faith. And his great-grandson walked into the victory because of what he did. God thinks in generations. We think 
I got to get everything that's mine. I've got to see everything that God's called me to. God gave me a dream. God gave me a vision. I got to see it in my lifetime. No, it's four or five generations deep what God's put inside you. What's your one job? Don't sit on the shorelines. Don't be complacent. Don't refuse to fight when others are fighting. Do what you have. Believe. Speak faith. Make a difference. Serve others. Trust God. Love Jesus. Be faithful to your church. Be faithful to the things of God. Don't get caught up in everybody else's drama. You don't have time. You got a dream to fulfill. And you don't have time for dream killers. Next. Not only will your talent be taken away, your legacy will be tainted. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Man was beaten, attacked, left for dead by robbers, and man, a priest walked by and did nothing. Levite walked by, did nothing. But it was the Samaritan of another race that bandaged that person took them and paid the way for them to recover. You know, this gospel hasn't changed. Who is my neighbor? Say everybody. And it's not enough to walk by and go, man, that person's in bad shape. I'll pray for them. Somebody's got to be a Samaritan. To refuse the curse... You have to do something. Something. In this life, you get one shot to give it all you got. To chase the dream. You don't have time for those too spiritual to help, too snobby to help. You don't have time for those people that have chosen safety over kingdom access and success. You love everybody, but you covenant with few. You listen to your pastor. Love everybody, but you can't fulfill your God-given destiny with dream killers. Some of you, you've become an enabler to dream killers because you've tolerated their negativity and their nonsense far too long. There's no verse that says you have to stop doing what God's called you to do to sit on the shoreline with dream killers. It's time to get back in the sea and sail. And fulfill what God's put on us as a church. You as a family. God wants to use you. And to encourage you. The faithfulness of today will bring about a harvest for tomorrow. And by tomorrow I mean generations to come. You may not live to see it. But your great grandchildren may walk on ground that you could never imagine. Because you chose to be faithful. You chose to help others fulfill their dreams. 
when you help others fulfill their dreams, God will help you fulfill yours and those coming after you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Everybody stand on your feet. I know this has been deep today. But the Holy Spirit wants us to move forward as a team for the dream. So first thing we've got to do as a church, we've got to refuse the shoreline and chance the rapids together. We've got to have what we've been preaching about for years here, agreement and unity. We've got to forgive one another and we've got to model unity. We can do it. Next, the dream killers in your life, you can love them, but you can't covenant with them or waste any more time. The Holy Spirit's already made you aware of who those people are in your life. It's time to let them go and love them from afar till God brings them home like the prodigal. Receive from the Holy Spirit now the dream. Let it become a reality in your life. And if God's put something on the inside of you, whatever it is, go for it. Go for it. Swing the bat. Take a chance. If you die on the battlefield, you die a hero. But at least you fall. Amen. Some of you have never dreamed because you don't have a dreamer on the inside of you. You need Jesus. If you're lost in here today, you say, Pastor Ronnie, I I feel God convicting me. Maybe I've been a dream killer. Maybe I've been so negative. Maybe I I know where I I am now because of all the struggles I've had. I I know it's because I'm lost. I don't have God in my life. If that's you watching online or in in the house, The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You'll be saved and you'll begin your journey. He'll give you dreams and visions. If you need Jesus, just pray this prayer with me. Have his help me. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to abbashouse.com, go to our app, go to ronniephillips.org, register your decision, especially if you're in the house today. Go to our app on your smartphone, register. We'll give you some stuff to help you get started. Maybe you want to join Abbas House today. Dream with us. Maybe God's called you here. Pastor Ken, I want you to come here and help me with this. Pastor Seth, if you would too. Now we're going to try to do this as distance as possible. Okay? This isn't ministry time. But if God's calling you online to join the online campus, I want you to do that online right now with our online pastor. I think it's Pastor Angie. Is it Pastor Angie today? Pastor Angie's online right now. If you need to join this church, we've had four people join this church online in two weeks. Online. So, so I'm not forsaking that yet. But I think there's some folks in here today. You say, God's called me to this church. I don't normally do this publicly. We do it in the back. But if God's called you to covenant with us and dream with us, I want you to come right now. Don't waste no time. If that's you, I want to pray for you. 
and then they'll take you out in a private area. If you're called to covenant with this church or join this church, put your family here. I want you to come right now. Let's hear it. We got it. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Anybody else? You're going to hear more about Joe and how we're going to partner together next Sunday. we got some fun announcements for you. God's going to do some stuff on this campus. Joe came to me on the 28th after December. He said, God's calling us to have his house. But I, and here's what he said. Here's what he said. He said, but I don't like to go to church and sit there. I'm not joining unless you give me something to do. He's not interested in the shoreline. He's here. We're going to see God do a work. Ken, I want you to lead them outside, okay? If you need to join or you have a decision, we're going to go out to the guest reception area. You follow Ken. Seth, if you're on this side, follow Seth, if you would, out to the guest reception area. If you need to join, you need ministry, they're going out that door across from the bookstore. There's a room called guest reception. They'll go out there. Get your information privately, okay? Now, everybody else, raise your hands up. Let me pray for you as we close. If you want to join, you follow them out. If you want to join online, you do it with Pastor Angie. Just begin to magnify the Lord. Let me pray over you a minute. I know this message was hard. I know it was a gut punch. But every now and then, we need it. Everything I preach convicts me first and convicts me worse. Trust me. It works me over long before it works you over. All right? I don't preach at you. I preach with you, okay? It already convicted me. Because I want this to be a place of dreams where dreams come true. And I want this body to be people who help others fulfill their dreams. And that starts with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this body of believers. This house of grace. This house of dreams. Lord, we're so thankful that many years ago in 1951, you put a divine dream on that first 12 people. And we're here today because of that dream. They didn't get to see it all. But we're living what they had a vision for in 1951. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory for that. Lord, I declare over this house that we will be a house of dreams. And every person that's praying, maybe you got dreams for your children or your children's children. Just speak those into the atmosphere right now. God already knows them, but speak them into the atmosphere. Begin to pray for your children, your grandchildren, the people you work with. Begin to speak those dreams into existence and watch what God will do with them. Joseph had to share his dream. Share your dream right now. Let the Lord know you're trusting him with your dream. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, heal the brokenhearted today. Give them the ability to believe again by faith, to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, I declare that the people of this house are going to walk on ground that their grandparents never knew of. They're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders, and favor, and business opportunities, and things are going to begin to happen for them, and new relationships, and divine opportunities, and open doors that can't be explained because of your favor, because they made a choice to pursue the dream, not set by the inlets or on the shoreline, or stay neutral like morose. They made a choice to pursue you, and because of that, They'll walk in the blessing. Lord Jesus, we love you and we worship you with all of our heart. Let's sing together, can we? Before we go, let's sing together a love song to the Lord. Let's sing together.